This is Kit, host of WJFF's Something Old, Something New. Join me at noon on the fourth Thursday of each month for a marriage of classical and contemporary music. From Bach to Bloch, Corelli to Copland, I'll share some of the music that I love and cherish. That's Something Old, Something New, this Thursday at noon. Welcome to Sabrina Artel's Trailer Talk. I'll bring you all kinds of stories from all kinds of people. Whether it's a live public conversation and we're speaking from the kitchen table of my 1965 Beeline travel trailer from the studios or on the streets, please sit back and enjoy the conversation right here this time every week. Stay tuned for a classic edition of Trailer Talk from the archives. I'll be thinking about spring, about birth and rebirth, about a liberation from slavery, from all kinds of slavery, about a celebration of freedom. It is the beginning of Passover. I'm at the Lou family home in South Fallsburg in Sullivan County, New York, and people are setting up for Passover. Please introduce yourself. Hi, my name is Mendelou. Hello, Mendelou, and you are helping to set up. What is this here that you're putting on the table? It is the Seder plate. In Hebrew, it's called the Kaira. It's the matzahs. They go inside and on top of it. You put the different foods like the mara, the karpas, and the egg, and the chazeres. And what for you, Mendel? How old are you? Fourteen. You're fourteen. What does Passover signify for you? Does it have a particular meaning? Not really. Just another three weeks off of school. Do you have a favorite part of the ceremony? Um, I like the matzah. That's also just a good experience. And you travel between the Catskills of New York, here in Sullivan County, New York, and Brooklyn, New York? Yeah. And what do you like about it here? The air is much fresher, and it's just a nicer place, nicer environment. Thank you, Mendel. Mendelu. It is approaching 7 o'clock, and at 7.13, the blessing will begin, the lighting of the candles. What time does Passover start? Passover starts 18 minutes after candlelight. And what year is this Passover in the Jewish calendar? 5769. Penny Lou, I'm here in your home. Thank you for having me for this first night of Passover, for the beginning of it. It's a pleasure having you, finally having you in, in our home, out here in the Catskills, to celebrate the holiday of freedom, which is what Passover represents, the freedom of, as it says in the Bible, we know, Exodus of Egypt, um, which is what we're going to celebrate tonight. We're going to commemorate the idea of freedom and Moses is leading the Jewish people all together, men, women, and children, out of Egypt after hundreds of years of bondage. And it's uh, also a look into the future. We, we pray and we hope for salvation, for redemption um, to come as well. And it's connected to the exodus of Egypt as only a precursor to the final exodus, which is we call the redemption, as it says in, um, in the later prophets, I forgot where, that God says, I will show wonders. Um, when you go out of exile, I will show you wonders just like I showed you in the days that you went out of Egypt. And so for you, when you speak of freedom, what for you, Penny, does that 
mean personally? What is the idea of freedom? I think we had a similar discussion about the word liberty. The idea of freedom is not, we don't look at freedom as being a, a, a society where everyone can do whatever they want. That's anarchistic, really. The real freedom is when we can, we are free to do what we're supposed to do. The simple analogy is like a traffic light. When you drive, a person is free, really, to, we're free in this country and we know that. And you could just drive through a traffic light if you want without stopping. But you're not really free because there's certain conventions that we accept in order for the society to run. And it's the same thing in, in the religious aspect that freedom doesn't mean freedom from religion. Religion should not be looked at as a yoke, as a something that takes away people's freedoms, but it's a way of expression of getting closer to God and, uh, and of following the rules that help elevate the person. Um, physically, psychologically, spiritually. And what in particular then Passover represents an exodus, uh, looking back to the slavery that happened to the Jews in Egypt. It's looking towards an idea of freedom, uh, celebration. How does memory connect to all of this? I'm interested in this idea of the Jewish memory and... Collective memory. The collective memory? It was a rabbi, a rabbi, a friend of mine, my mentor, really, Rabbi Friedman, Manus Friedman in Minnesota, says, he used to say, denial is not a river in Egypt. Collective memory, be not living in denial. We know that psychologically, you know, people, there's a concept of where we plays a big part in our psyche. We deny certain things, that, that, that idea of denial. Um, to embrace everything and all-encompassing and, yes, I have a phone call. Thank you so much. I'm so happy to be here. Okay, I have one minute until the blessing, the lighting of the candles, and then no more recording. Hello, please introduce yourself. Hello, my name is Leah Fish. Leah, what brings you here to the Lou home to South Fallsburg, New York? Um, I'm good friends with uh, Rabbi Lou, Penny Lou's father in London, Rabbi in Hindi Lou, and I met Penny there a few weeks ago, and he was kind enough to invite me here for Pesach. And where do you live? I live in Manhattan in the West Village. So it is the beginning of Passover. It is 2009. What is the Passover celebration about? Uh, Is it something that you look forward to? Is there a particular thing that you like about the ceremony? Passover is actually one of my favorite holidays, as it is, I know, for many Jews. Um, What I like about it is the um, shedding of the Mitzrayim of yourself, which is the so-called leavening of your own of, of your ego um, that you're supposed to be, you know, removed from the yeast that puffs up the matzah, so to speak. Also, that those uh, unnecessary things that maybe we surround ourselves with, that we can look inside and, and be clear that we don't need them all the time. So you were referring to the ritual where the leavened bread from the home is taken out and then the period of time during Passover when there is no eating of the leavened bread and there's the story of the exodus from Egypt and the making of that unleavened bread, the matzah. But for you, uh, you're talking then about a psychological aspect of it, the spiritual aspect of it, which is very interesting. So could you share a little bit more with me about that? And for yourself, are there things that you can share with me that you're letting go of or is this a very private the decision that happens during Passover. Um, a little more about the the chametz. There are a lot of different interpretations about it. Some uh, compared to idolatry or to, um, as I said, the ego. Um, 
Basically, um, as far as things for myself, the real focus on not um, eating those things helps me gain a mental clarity in which I can consider um, what elements, perhaps, of the ego I can shed uh, for the coming year until the next Passover. Were you raised in a religious household? No. Are you now? Would you consider yourself religious? No. All right. Well, that makes two of us. <laughs> so we did celebrate. We do celebrate in my family Passover, but I grew up in a very secular household, um, one very much about a cultural Jewish identity and also with the, the kind of the heaviness, the weight of being German Jews and being Holocaust survivors and having lost a lot of family during the Holocaust. So I'm curious for you then being, are they starting? They did? Are we missing the blessing? I hope not. Thank you. Thank you so much. Penny, so we had the the group photo. Quite a few friends and family members here. We're a couple of minutes away from the lighting of the candles, the blessing, and the beginning of Passover. What is special about this day and the blessing of the sun that you were talking about? So what is it about this day that makes it a, a unique Passover day? The blessing of the sun is a, a blessing that we make thanking God for the blessings of the sun. We're not really praying to the sun, we're not at all. We're praying to God and we're thanking God for giving us the blessing that we call the sun. And this occurs once every 28 years, one time in Jewish tradition. The time when we do it is at the beginning of the spring season. Even though we know now that spring began on the 21st, I think it was, of March. There were calculations that were done in the Talmud. There were two opinions. One opinion would be more consistent with the March 21st date, but that was never adopted, and therefore it was the other opinion, and so we're off by two weeks, really, to be um, an exact date, or three weeks. The past century and this century, every 28 years, this date comes out to fall, the date that we bless the sun, every 28 years, comes out to be on April 8th. Take her, give her one more. Okay, that turns out to be April 8th, and which is today. The last time, the last time we blessed the, the last time we blessed the sun was in 1981. That was about a week before Passover, and I remember that I was 11 years old that year. The time before that, which I wasn't born yet, was 1953, and that came out to be on the 20 after Passover, April 8th. And the time before that, you know, the, the various every 28 years. The last time it came out to be on on the eve of Passover, like this year, was in 1925, and the next time will be in many, many years. I mean, so it's not common for. I think this is the 12th time in the last 5,769 years that the blessing of the sun occurred on the eve of Passover. The 12th time. <laughs> Words of wisdom from my wife. Thank you. The blessing is about to begin. Leaving Penny and Hannah Lou's house in South Fallsburg, New York. It is the first night of Passover. And what an incredible celebration. The the metaphor that was described by Penny Lou of the Passover Seder. And we open the doors for Elijah. And Penny described to me that at that very moment, the gates of heaven open and anything is possible. And that is the time to make sure that the wine glass overflows with the wine, with this offering, with this possibility of what can be. Thank you for including me, welcoming me to your home, allowing me to sit at your kitchen table as you have joined me two times at the kitchen table of Trailer Talk. And now driving to the other end of Sullivan County to the Beaverkill, where I will be celebrating 
celebrating at the Brown Mattis household. It is the second night of Passover, and tonight I am in the Beaverkill Valley in the Catskills of New York, right on the edge of Sullivan County. I'm looking out the windows of the home where I am, and I'm seeing the Beaverkill River flowing by the beautiful mountaintops. It was a gorgeous day. I was up very late last night at the Lou home, and uh, my hosts tonight are Rose and Les. I'm here with friends. This is a Seder that I've been to for a few years. I'm Susanna. I've known Rose. I've known Rose since I was about 13 because her daughter Chloe is my best friend. And I've known Les since he met Rose. And I've been at this Seder for several years in a row. And please introduce yourself. I'm Jane, and I'm here because though I've known Les and Rose for a while, I'm Susanna's next door neighbor, godmother, extra aunt. It's always good to have an extra aunt, I think. I think lots of ants are a good thing. So, here we are. It's the second night of Passover. Any thoughts on the celebration, what it means for you? Is this Seder and the way that it's performed, it's celebrated here, is this the way that you grew up? Uh, Anything really either one of you want to share? And we were also talking about the Seder that I was at last night, which was a Hasidic Seder in South Fallsburg, New York. And and I'm still a little tired from that. It was really fun. It went to about 1 o'clock in the morning. We, we were talking about beautiful wigs, actually. I was going to say that I read, years ago, read an article in the Chicago Reader about scheitels, which is what those wigs are called. That's the Yiddish word for those wigs. And it was an article about the best scheitel maker in Chicago and how much money he charged for them, which was thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars, and how many women got scheitels that were the hair they wish they had, which is I always, which was ironic because the whole point of it is that you're supposed to cover your hair so that you're not attractive to any men but your husband, so nobody but your husband sees your hair. I thought it was kind of great that they were, you know, they would get the gorgeous red hair they always wish they had, etc. But to answer your question about this seder, it is not like the seders that I grew up with, which were, which were reform but fairly formal and you know followed a pretty pretty uh, standard Haggadah and we're, we're maybe a little more, you know, family, not as many, not as many friends. But I love this Seder because I, I love the, the atmosphere of it. And uh, I've even grown to like the strange pink Okami Haggadah that we use here. <laughs> the pink Okami Haggadah that is used here at this household. So this is, it's a, the, the other end of the spectrum of what it means to be Jewish, really. And there are so many expressions of what that means. So what then is this celebration about and this gathering of people for you? Is it very closely linked for, for either one of you, Susanna and Jane, to being Jewish, a Jewish identity? Is it to something that's a, a global expression of something? What does it? I think a, a Seder springtime. And I think it is a sense of Jewish identity. I think back of it, of the many, the generations going on forever, who celebrated in just about, maybe not the Pinky Okami, we had the Maxwell House Haggadah when I was a child, after my grandparents had died. And I always envied my grandmother's wig, because I didn't, I could never get my part as straight as she could get her part. 
because she wore a wig. Where was this, Jane? Uh, North New Jersey. So it was in the middle. It was a Jewish ghetto area where we would go to be with my grandparents, my mother's family. What generation would this be? What period? Uh, of- first, they, they were the they were the immigrants. They came over from Russia, Poland, whatever it was. So. They were the ones who still practiced. My parents did not at all. Uh, My father was shocked when my brother and I both joined synagogues as adults and when my nieces went to yeshiva schools. This was not what they thought coming to America was going to be. So what was their idea, do you think, and then what evolved for your own idea of what coming to America meant as a Jewish immigrant? They wanted us, my grandparents simply lived the life they had lived in Poland, but with flush toilets. Um, But they raised my parents, both sides raised my parents to speak only English, to not know any of the old languages, including Hebrew. And though they wanted them to come to holiday, they wanted them mostly to be Americans. And so they should always remember they were Jewish, but not do anything about it. So not to be too Jewish, not to talk about it too much. What, when was this? It didn't matter. Uh, when I remember, it was uh, toward the end of the Second World War. So you really didn't want, You remembered you were Jewish. There was no doubt there were people sleeping on the living room floor but who came over. But they did not want us to be either their children or themselves to be Jewish in the way that the Gentiles would identify as being Jewish. None of that. None of that. So a feeling then of being an outsider, trying... Always an outsider. We were all outsiders, yes. And always would be so. They had no doubt about it could happen here too. Keep your passport. Keep extra money. It can happen here too. These are people who were chased from three countries, you know. And how do you feel about that? Uh, yourself. Jewish, American. Jewish. Jewish. A- any fear of something like that happening? Does memory play sure, into that? Sure, especially as there's a recession. As there's a recession, I have a sense of, this is how anti-Semitism started in Germany. Uh, sure, I have a sense that it could happen. As easily, maybe not, but it could happen, sure. And how, Jane and Susanna, then, does that play into how you identify now? Do you still have a connection to this idea of being an outsider or any kind of fear? And also remembering in memory, because that seems to be such a part of the Jewish tradition. But is, is there a disadvantage to that? Does that keep us in some sort of kind of fearful or negative loop? Could we stop being pissed about a temple that was destroyed thousands and thousands of years ago? Yeah, yeah, it runs us into a lot of trouble. And I think we tend to remember what happens to us and not what we do to other people. Pinko commie that I am. <laughs> and I think, you know, I'm, I'm a different generation and I, I didn't grow up with that same fear. And also my, my mom was born Lutheran and so there was, you know, I have a sort of, I had a different experience growing up. Um, but, uh, but no, I, I think for me this is much more about sort of reaffirming Judaism, but also in that sort of, you know, the way that they say in the Seder, let everybody who's hungry come and eat, that's sort of a, a, a communal um, celebration. You know, whoever, whoever needs to be here. You know, it doesn't have to be. But we're not going to get dinner if we don't go in and eat. (laughs) Thank you so much. Yes, uh, now we we must go to the very important part of the Seder, which is the reclining and the eating and the drinking. Uh, 
And Les is one of the hosts. Hi, Les. Hi, Sabrina. How are you, dear? Good. It's such a pleasure being here. They're laughing. I hear chuckles. <laughs> People are fleeing. They're, they're, it's like the repeat of the exodus from Egypt. They're fleeing the microphone. Well, you, you know that the dinner bell rings around here <laughs> and all of the, everything else is in second place. My name is Les Mattis. I live here in Beaverkill, New York. Is there anything you want to share about Passover, what it represents for you, how you perhaps grew up, or, or will do that in a... No, no, I'm happy to. I grew up in an irreligious, atheistic, agnostic house, um, very progressive in terms of politics. The differences that we fought about were the differences between communism and socialism, not between, you know, some form of orthodoxy. But it was always a very meaningful... The story of Passover, the story of escape from slavery, and the story, the importance of living in freedom as opposed to living under the heel of an oppressor was that's to me is the, is the real meaning of Passover. Am I grateful that it happened to the Jewish people of which I am a member of? Sure. But I think the message today is is freedom from oppression and free, freedom from from the heel of slavery. Freedom, an inclusive idea of what freedom represents for all kinds of people and Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. You know, I'm I'm a firm believer that if if one person is under the yoke, then none of us is truly free. And the yoke, you know, you could define it as you can. You could define it as discrimination in terms of race, in terms of gender, in terms of religion, in terms of, you know, are you a Yankee fan or a Met fan? Whatever it and, is. And which are you, Les? I'm a Met fan. <laughs> Sorry for uttering the word Yankee in, in public here. And in your home. Les, where did you grow up and where did your family come from? We are. I grew up in the Bronx in New York City. My family, my mother and father grew up in the Bronx in New York City. Their parents all came from Russia and Ukraine. My mother, who's still alive, is 94 years old now. I am 68 years old, if that places me somewhere. So I was born at the beginning of World War II and became politically alive in the union movement of the 40s and 50s because my dad was a union organizer. And I'm a, I'm a child of the civil rights movement and the anti-Vietnam War movement. That's that's where I begin. I'm that, That's my generation. Thank you, Les. And I'm just going to bring the recorder to the table and turn it on and off during this. The Haggadah that we read tonight is very unique. It is different than a lot of other ones you're likely to run across in this life. It comes from what, Rosie? The feminist movement from no, the, from the, the from Boston Until we are all devotion, to care until we are all compassion, 
to make the world as sweet as the wine we drink. This is our Kiddush. Baruch HaTadonai, Eloheinu Melech HaOlam, Shehechianu, Vekiyamanu, Vehegianu, Today, the world is far from being completely liberated. Each drop of wine we now pour is a hope and prayer that people will cast out the plagues that threaten everyone, everywhere they are found, beginning in our own hearts. War and divisiveness. War and divisiveness. Poverty and homelessness. Neglect of human needs. Abuse, hate, and violence. Cynicism and despair. Oppression of nations and peoples. Economic oppression. Former capitalism. Excuse me, is this time for the disclaimer? Erosion of human freedoms. AIDS and other diseases. And I thought we had homophobia and sexism. Oh, no. It might be an abuse taken by a 25 years ago. Completely relevant. Unfortunately, Dianu. Passover is a time to also be grateful for much that has in fact occurred in our lives. Women have not always been recognized for their hysteric, historic contributions. Our dayenu and then our second cup of wine are addressed to the women of our history. And what is that? Had she taken us out of Egypt but not executed judgments on them, it would have been a start. Had she executed judgments on them but not upon their gods, it would have been a start. If Eve had been acknowledged as Adam's equal and not been considered a temptress, if she were the first woman to eat from the tree of knowledge and had been recognized as bringing knowledge to us, if Lot's wife had been honored for compassion and looking back at the fate of her family in Sodom and had not been punished for it, if our mothers had been honored for their daughters as well as their sons, if the just women in Egypt who caused our redemption had been given sufficient recognition, if Miriam, the sister of Moses, had taken her seat with Moses and Aaron in our legacy, if women had been among the writers of the Bible and had, <laughs> and had interpreted our creation and our role in history, if every generation of women with every generation of men would continue to go out of Egypt. 
We eat this sandwich in memory of our sage Hillel, who ate matzah and morar together. Hillel was a revered sage who lived nearly 2,000 years ago. To Hillel, slavery and freedom were merged into one historical event. In time of freedom, we must not forget the bitterness of slavery. In time of oppression, we must keep alive the hope of freedom. So you eat that, and then it's dinner time. Once again, we hope for freedom for all people who labor under tyranny and oppression, that all people shall walk the earth with dignity. As we celebrated tonight, so may we celebrate the Seder again, all of us together in joy, in peace, and in freedom. Next year in From the kitchen table, out on the road, I'm Sabrina Artell. Thanks for joining me for Sabrina Artell's Trailer Talk. The music for the show, Patti Smith, People Have the Power. Trailer Talk is produced by Sabrina Artell. For more information, please visit TrailerTalk.net. Thank you all who joined me in these conversations. I'm Sabrina Artell. Safe travels. This is Rosie Starr, host of Farm and Country. Join us Saturday mornings at 11 for WJFF's locally produced radio show relating to life in the Catskills and the Delaware River Valley. Tune in to 90.5 FM, stream us live, or listen to the archive on our website, wjffradio.org. See you Saturday, just after Radio Chatskill and before Catskill Character. Bass baritone Gerald Finley is the prophet Elijah next time on the New York Philharmonic this week. Hello, this is Alec Baldwin. Please tune in as the Philharmonic is joined by the New York choral artists and soloists in a complete performance of Mendelssohn's oratorio, Elijah. Alan Gilbert will conduct the New York Philharmonic this week. Tuesday at noon on WJFF. WJFF, Jeffersonville, W233AH, Monticello.